today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. It's when we cry out to Jesus, when we're willing to die of our own selfish desires, our own passions, then through that empowering work of the Holy Spirit, then we will see, then we will experience the fullness of the victory that is ours in Christ. Beloved, the victory is already there. Jesus obtained that for us at the cross. But the problem is, is there's still too many believers that walk around in chains. But I want to tell you something. Those chains do not have a lock on them. We're being deceived by the enemy. When we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are victorious over sin and death. In today's message, Pastor David implores us to take hold of this victory. Some Christians still walk around in chains. However, these chains have no locks on them. Christians can stand victorious because of their risen Savior. Have you taken hold of your victory in Christ? He died on the cross to give you life and freedom. Not so that you would continue to walk in slavery to the enemy. Now here's Pastor David in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 with part 2 of today's message, Final Encouragement. realize that this is the very way that Christ has dealt with you and I? This idea, warn the unruly. Hey, you're out of line here. What you're doing, the way that you're living, the the words that you're saying, the, the actions that you're taking, man, that's not correct. You need to draw your life back in and under the umbrella of the fellowship that you have with God through Christ. You're being unruly. You need to straighten your life out. You need to start choosing different. Comfort the faint-hearted. And some of the battles that some of you go through in life, it just blows me away that you stay consistent, you stay faithful to the things of God. It blesses me as a pastor when I hear, man, all that they're going through, and yet their heart and their life, they're still trusting the Lord. We're to bring comfort to those that are faint-hearted, beloved, because this world will wear you down. Amen? It will wear you down. He's saying this to the brethren. Oh, and to the cistern too, okay? Uh, to, to, uh, not the cistern, that's something different. To the <laughs> sisters, okay? He's saying it to all of us, that, that all of us as the body of Christ were to be doing this. Warn those who are unruly. Comfort the faint-hearted. We ought to be comforting one another, encouraging one another. Uphold the weak. What do you mean uphold the weak? Don't we just tell them, hey, get strong, man. Stand up, stop that. No, I, I see in the word too many times where it says, man, you know, lift up those weary hands of another. You know, strengthen those feeble knees. That's why we read in the word that says, hey, you that are spiritual, and you need to go and encourage that, that one that's fallen down, that one that's struggling. 
That's what we're called to do. We're called to live life together, to encourage one another in that way. Not to put down, but to, to encourage and be patient with all, with all. And I don't know about you, but we all need that, don't we? We all need that patience. And I think of the patience of God toward me, toward all of us. And in that patience that God works in us, that's the same kind of patience we're to work toward each other. Oh, don't render evil for evil. Come on. Tit for tat. Man, you did this to me, so I'm gonna do this to you. You have that attitude against me, so I'm gonna have that attitude against you. Man, is that the heart of Christ? No. Though he was despised, though he was rejected by men, he still gave his life for them. Even as he hung on the cross, what were his words? Father, forgive them. They don't have a clue. They do not know what they're doing. The instruction that Paul gives, not just for the leadership, And he gives this to the church in order that we might survive and that we might thrive. If we're living this way toward each other, man, God is going to have the ability to then work in our lives in a more powerful way. All those within the church with that responsibility of warning those that are unruly, comforting the faint-hearted, upholding the weak, being patient with all, not rendering evil for evil, always pursuing what is good both for themselves and for all. As a member of the body of Christ, you and I, we have that responsibility toward each other as brothers and as sisters in the faith. We're called to minister with the heart and with the attitude of Christ and even more so to the household of faith. That's what Paul told the church in Galatians, Galatians 6. He says, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all. And then he adds, but especially to those who are of the household of faith. That means brothers and sisters in Christ those that you come together in the local congregation with. Man, that's how we're especially to treat them and pour our lives out for each other. Now he moves from that on how we treat each other to, again, how we are to personally live out our Christian lives. Verse 16, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Okay, I've got to be candid with you here. I've tried this. I've tried rejoicing always. I've tried praying without ceasing. I've tried giving thanks in everything. I just want to tell you today, it's impossible. It's impossible. I can't do it. Oh, and neither can you, by the way. Not in your own strength. Not in my own strength, there's no way. Oh, I've tried doing it in my own strength, but I can't do it. It's only when I allow the Spirit of God to work and move through my own frustrations, my own fears, my own doubts, my own anger, my own limitations, that again, I can get to that point where we rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in everything. 
It's not by our own strength. It's only when we come to that point of a full surrender, recognizing and continually acknowledging that God is sovereignly in control over all of his universe. He's got this. I don't need to fret. I don't need to worry. God has this. It's only when I come to the point of recognizing and continuing continually acknowledging that God can and he will work in me for his good pleasure as I surrender my life to his hands. It's only when I can recognize and continually acknowledge that I need to continually die daily. And you know what? Moment by moment of the day too. Oh, I can die in the morning and be fully resurrected before lunch, okay? I've got to die moment by moment of the day, and so do you. And it's only in that kind of an attitude, it's only in that kind of a lifestyle that we can rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in everything. It's only when we are totally surrendered and totally dependent upon him in all things. And then Paul adds to this, verse 19, oh, don't quench the spirit, and don't despise prophecies. Here he's warning us that that, that, that in our our natural man, you know what? We can shut down the work and the move of the Holy Spirit. We can shut it down. I've heard you probably heard it yourself that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He doesn't go where he's not wanted, and he doesn't speak if no one wants to hear him. So you and I, you and I can quench the spirit in a number of ways. Disobedient, being disobedient to what we know is the will of God. I know God's will in that area, but I'm, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want, I don't want to go there. I don't want to say that. I don't, I don't, no, I, I don't want to do that. And suddenly that spirit of God that's leading me to do God's will becomes less and less cognizant in my understanding. Why? Because I've been disobedient. We can do it by resisting the working of God. I just, I just, again, God is moving, God is working, and man, I don't like that, and I pull away from that, and, and I allow my flesh to take control. I allow the things of the world to overwhelm me, and all of these things, suddenly they become a louder voice within my heart and within my spirit than that still small voice of the Lord that is saying, hey, here's the way, walk in it. And I resist that. I can quench the spirit and you can quench the spirit by not making opportunity for the move of the spirit within our lives. Not making, we get so busy about so many things that we don't take the time to say, Lord, have your will in my life. I've got a schedule. I've got to take care of this. I've got to deal with that. I've got too many things. I, I, I jump and move and go and, and go until at the end of the day, man, I drop. And then, then the next morning you get up and you do the same thing and you go and you go and you're so filled with so many things. You're not making room for the move of God's spirit. Often in the scriptures, the Holy Spirit is likened as being a flame or a fire. And beloved, that fire can either be fanned into a brighter and a hotter flame, or it can be diminished or even snuffed out through our disobedience, through our resistance, or through our not making our lives available for his move. 
how often those of us with children or grandchildren, or even if you don't, you've, you've seen it, you know, you know the routine. A, a small child, daddy comes to take care of something, and suddenly the small child says, no, daddy, I do it, I do it. And if you let them do it, man, they're going to mess it up. You know? The child says, no, I want to do it. And so they mess it up. When all the time dad wants to give them better and do more in their life, because of their own stubborn independence, Got a witness? Because of their own stubborn independence, they make a mess of it. And we do. So often we do, rather than saying, Father, you do it. You do it through me. How it grieves the Holy Spirit of God when we try to live the Christian life in our own strength and with our own limited power, our own limited understanding. When we squelch the working of the Holy Spirit's move in our life, guess what? We also begin to despise others when the Spirit is working through them. I don't know why she's so happy. I don't know what makes him think so much. Man, this is, yeah, they're, they're always, oh, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I'm so sick and tired of hearing them say, praise the Lord. I've heard Christians say that. Okay, and I've had that attitude once or twice myself, okay. But it's not when I'm walking in the spirit I don't have that attitude. It's when I'm in the flesh. When I'm in the spirit, I say, man, absolutely, praise God, that's great. But when I'm in the flesh, I'm saying, man, you have no idea what's going on in my life. We despise them either out of jealousy or out of ignorance because we don't know what it means to have that kind of life. Because we don't know what it means to have that kind of infilling of the Spirit in our own life. And so what we don't know, what we don't understand, we despise and we reject. Don't despise that word of prophecy. Don't quench the Spirit. Paul's final word comes as a warning. He tells us, again, to use wisdom, not, but, but not man's wisdom, not man's logic, but God's wisdom. He says in verse 21, test all things, hold fast what is good. And here Paul is in full agreement with the apostle John. When John writes in 1 John chapter 4, John writes, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, rather they are of God. So how do we test all things in order that we can hold fast that which is good? Now, some are gifted by the Holy Spirit with the gift of discernment. I mean, this is the working of the Spirit of God within their life that, that sets off alarms, you know, when things aren't right, this is when, when things aren't good, when, when things or people or ministries, man, that's not of the Spirit. There's just these warning flags that go. I wish all of us had that, again, spirit of discernment, but not all have it. So what about the rest of us that don't have that spirit of discernment? How can we test those things that are good, spiritually and scripturally test what's either being done by a church or written to the church or being taught or prophesied or spoken of uh, within the church or by individual members or ministers or ministries? How do we test those things to know, man, that is of the Spirit of God? Let me give you just a couple of real quick things. The testing of anyone for these things, whether they be good, whether they be spiritual, whether they be scriptural. First and foremost, Does it or do they in their lives line up with the word of God? With the word of God. 
they're living their lives contrary or if the action or the ministry or uh, whatever it might be is, is opposing or it's different or if it's off kilter from the word of God, man, that's the first alarm that ought to go off. Secondly, is it in line with the character of God? The character of God from Genesis to Revelation. God doesn't change. He remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if it's not within the character of God, man, alarms ought to go off. You may not know the, the, the chapter and verse, but you ought to be acquainted enough with the word of God to understand the character of God to where when things move against either the word, which is the first thing, or the character, which is the second thing, there ought to be some alarm bells that are going off. Thirdly, does it, they, or whatever the situation, does it bring glory and focus to an individual or to Christ. You see, if suddenly all the focus is on the individual, then you say, whoa, wait a minute. Let me back down. Let me relook at this situation. Fourthly, quickly, and unfortunately, this one comes usually after the fact, okay? What is the fruit that's been produced either in that individual's life or through that ministry? What kind of a fruit? What, what, what is it that they're doing? What do we see as an outcome? We all need, every one of us, we need to be willing, we need to be able to test all things in order that we can hold fast that which is good. And the things and the actions or the teachings which are good are those things that are in harmony with the will and the plan and the purpose of God. Those which are in harmony with the Holy Spirit of God. And knowing what is good, only then can we really and truly, verse 22, abstain from every form of evil. As believers in Jesus Christ, as professing Christians, our lives need to be a demonstration of the Spirit of God who lives within us. But once again, this abstaining from every form of evil is something that you cannot do in and of yourself. We can't do it within ourselves. Man, my heart is deceitful. My heart is wicked. And if I trust in myself, I'm gonna be drawn, I'm gonna be led, I'm gonna be focused on the loudness and the, the, the distractions of the world. It's only when I allow my spirit to be quieted and to hear that voice of the Lord, when I surrender my life to the will of God, can I abstain from every form of evil. We can't do it on our own. It's when we cry out to Jesus, when we're willing to die of our own selfish desires, our own passions, then through that empowering work of the Holy Spirit, then we will see, then we will experience the fullness of the victory that is ours in Christ. Beloved, the victory is already there. Jesus obtained that for us at the cross. But the problem is, is there's still too many believers that walk around in chains. But I want to tell you something. Those chains do not have a lock on them. We're being deceived by the enemy. He's got many believers wrapped in chains. If they would only realize, man, that's just the weight of the deceitfulness of the enemy. And the way that we break free from those chains is recognizing, number one, the victory that is ours in Christ. And number two, pressing into Christ, pressing into Christ, surrendering our lives to his will and allowing him then to pull those chains off. He's a liar. He's deceitful. 
He seeks to kill, to steal, and to destroy, and he will do everything that he can in your life to wipe you out as far as your effectiveness in the world and in the ministry and in the kingdom of God. As we surrender to him, that's when we see that victory being lived out. Paul brings it to a close with a word of blessing to the church. So as he brings it to a close, I'm gonna bring it to a close. That's usually the best way to do it, amen? As Paul writes his blessing to the church of Thessalonica, I think it's a blessing to every church. I think it's a blessing to every believer. Paul writes to them, and so I speak it to you, okay? Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you. What does that sanctify mean? That means to to take you out of the world, to set you aside for his glory and for his honor. Sanctified is the same thing that they, they would sanctify the instruments of worship within the tabernacle or within the temple. They would take them out of common use and they were used for the time of worship, time of service to God Almighty. And Paul says, may the God of peace himself sanctify you, take you out of common use and bring you into service for his kingdom. And he he says, completely. May he do that completely. And may your whole soul, or your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he adds this little bit. He says, he who calls you is faithful, and he also will do it. See, I can trust him for that because he is faithful. Even when we are unfaithful, he remains faithful because he cannot and will not deny himself. If his spirit is within you, if you are his child, he will work in you. He will work in you. May that be our prayer. Paul ends up, brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. So now if you would, turn to your right or to your left. (laughs) Got some of you worried, don't I? Depends upon who's on your right or your left. That kiss was a Middle Eastern normal thing. To kiss each other was no big deal. I, I grew up in a family of kissers, okay? We kissed everybody, including the dog, I think. So I, I still, when I see my dad, I, I kiss my dad right on the mouth. That's what we grew up as. I kiss my son whenever I see him, my daughter. My poor wife didn't grow up in that kind of a culture. And after 46 years, she's still working at getting used to all that. <laughs> but in essence, what Paul is saying, show the love, show the care, show the fellowship and the relationship as brothers and sisters in the Lord. Greet each other with a holy kiss, man, means to embrace each other with the love of Christ. You don't have, if you're not a hugger, that's okay. You don't need to get, don't get weird. I'm not looking for anybody to do lip locks on anybody. What I'm saying is that we would embrace each other, care for each other, love each other with the fullness of Christ toward each other. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. And then he closes with this prayer. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Open our hearts, change us from within by
We're so glad you took time today to listen to the open word, but even more so that you chose to open your heart to the truth of the Bible. If you want to study further in Pastor David's series in 1 Thessalonians, you'll be able to do so at our website, theopenword.com. Just click Teachings at the top of the page to find our library of past messages. You're welcome to download them for free, share them with your friends and family, or just listen right there online. While you're at our website, you'll be able to learn more about Pastor David and why he has such a great passion for sharing the truth of the gospel through the ministry of the open word. Pastor David is the senior pastor at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande, and he'd like to extend you a personal invitation before our time is up today. Oh, absolutely. We here at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande, we've got a seat waiting for you at our worship services. Come by on Saturday or Sunday or even Wednesday if you like, and we guarantee you'll meet some smiling faces and discover more about Jesus. We're nothing special as a church, just a diverse group of Jesus-loving people who delight in the challenge of the truth of God's Word. Come as you are, and you'll fit right in. You'll be able to find out more about us when you visit our website, theopenword.com. Thanks, Pastor David. That website again once more is theopenword.com. Just follow the link to our church's homepage. With that, our time has officially run out today. There's much more to learn from the book of 1 Thessalonians, so join us next time on The Open Word. Make us more.